The following recording is a presentation of the Berean Baptist Church of Rohnert Park, California, and of Pastor Val Mark Smith. We are an independent Baptist congregation committed to the accurate presentation of the historical doctrines of the faith. We welcome your visit to our services anytime here in the Rohnert Park area. But let's turn to Galatians chapter 5 together and uh, turn to verse number 16. Galatians chapter 5, beginning in verse number 16. And here we read, This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusteth against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary the one to the other, so that ye cannot do the things that ye would. But if ye be led of the Spirit, ye are not under the law. So let's, uh, let's remember that. Let's pray before we go any further. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you, Lord, for the comfort that we have here this morning. And we just thank you for uh, all that you do for us. And we know, Lord, that all that you do is, is in our best interest. So we, we're content with what you've given us. And we praise you for what we have. And we thank you for where we are and all these things. And we ask you to bless now in Jesus' name. Amen. We've been talking about uh, the Great Commission uh, the commission given by God to, to us as believers that we are to go into all the world and we're to preach the gospel to every creature and baptizing those that believe and, and discipling them and teaching them to observe all things whatsoever God has commanded that we do. And uh, we call this the Great Commission and we've talked about several points under, the, under this so far. And, and of late we've been talking about the implementation of the commission. How, how are we going to carry out the Great Commission given to us? And we talked, uh, talked a little bit about the fact that we are tools. That, that God uses you and I as tools to accomplish this work of, of spreading the gospel into all, all of mankind. So we have the implementation. And we've looked at some of the disciplines so far. Some of the disciplines required for you and I to be effective servants of Christ. There are some things that we're going to have to do if we're going to be the type of, of, of servants, if we're going to be the tools that God needs in order to do the work that he wants us to do. And we looked at so far, if we will be effective servants, we looked, number one, at the fact that we are to walk worthy of our Father, that we're to conduct our lives in a worthy manner, in a fashion befitting or becoming God the Father. We looked, secondly, at the fact that we are to walk circumspectly, and that literally means to, to be heedful, and to be disciplined in our walk, to, to stop and think before you act. That's something I didn't learn easily. When I was a young man, when I was a boy, my daddy used to tell me, boy, your mouth wakes up a half hour before your brain, and the two don't meet all day long. You need to stop and think before you speak, stop and think before you act. Don't be rash and, and, and hasty, be circumspect. Stop and, and think about things. You know, the old people used to give me some advice all the time. They say, before you buy something, go home and sleep on it. Think about it. You know, in the, in the, in the heat of the moment, in the heat of, in the heat of the excitement and anticipation, sometimes we do things that, that if we just go apart and away and stop and think about it for a few minutes, we, we might change our mind about it. So we're to walk circumspectly. Then thirdly, we looked at the fact that we're to walk in holiness. Not in our holiness, because we possess no holiness. And I hope I didn't offend anyone a couple of weeks ago when I taught on this, but you're not, you're not all that you think you are. 
You know, we like to look at ourselves and we like to think, boy, God is so lucky. He was so blessed when he got me. No, no, no. We're not we're not at all what we think we are. Paul said, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. And, and all of us here tonight, or all of us here this morning, uh, are, are nothing. Nothing apart from, from the blood of Christ that was shed upon us and the grace of God that's been bestowed upon us. But we are to walk in holiness. We're to walk in the holiness that is in Christ. And by the way, we have, we, that holiness is available to us. The righteousness of Christ is available to you and I if we will simply be disciplined and learn to walk in the Spirit. And that was our next point, that we are to walk in the Spirit. Walk in the fullness and the richness and the power and the direction and the guidance and the authority of the Holy Spirit. We're to live our lives in the Spirit. And, and, and I began a, a little break off on this point. Uh, last, last week, I, uh, last time I taught, I, I talked about an awareness. We're to, to, to walk in the Spirit means that we live our life with an awareness of the Holy Spirit in, in our lives. Live your life with an awareness of the Holy Spirit's presence and, and, the, and with an awareness of its influence over you. So we, we, we conduct our lives understanding and realizing that we possess the Holy Spirit. And that the Holy Spirit will always guide us into what? What does the Bible tell us? The Holy Spirit will always guide us into truth. That's right. The Holy Spirit will never lead us into error. He doesn't have to, he doesn't have to experiment with you. The Holy Spirit doesn't say, well, I wonder what would happen if you went over here and did this. The Holy Spirit doesn't have to do that. He already knows all things. And he, he imparts to us the wisdom of God. And he leads us and guides us into truth. So we're to live with an awareness of that. It's so easy to forget, though. It's so easy to forget about the Holy Spirit in our lives. And, and make decisions based upon our own experiences and our own wisdom. And not yield and, and, and lean upon the wisdom of God. But then we also, when I think about walking in the Spirit, I, I said we think about agreement. Agreement with, with God, agreement with his word, agreement with his principles, agreement with the teachings of scripture, agreement with the direction and leadership of the Holy Spirit. We are to be transformed, and that means that we are to be altered in our nature. Our conformity or our agreement is to be with God, not with the world. And when we walk in the Spirit, we will experience this transformation of our mind, of our body, and our soul. So when I consider walking in the Spirit, it involves an awareness of His presence in my life. It demands an agreement with His guidance and leadership. But then when I think of walking in the Spirit, I think thirdly of the word compliance. And that brings us to where we are today. Compliance. Now the definition of compliance is a disposition or a tendency to yield... To the will of another. This is what compliance means. It's a disposition or tendency to yield to the will of another. Now compliance is more than just following a set of rules. So many, so many people in this world and so many churches in this world have all, they have what they call uh, standards and they, they establish rules. And, and you must do this, 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 and you must do this. And if you don't do all these things, then you're not right with God. But that's not at all what it means to comply. Compliance is more than just following a set of rules. It is yielding to the will 
of God. Yielding to God's will. In other words, we, we conduct our lives in a certain manner, not because it's a rule we have to do, but because it's what's pleasing unto the Father. It's the will of God. We dress and, and, and we present ourselves publicly in, 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 a, in a sensible and, and rational fashion. Why? Not because, not because it's a rule. Listen, uh, I've, I've known many Christians who, who dress according to rules, but their heart is as black as, as charcoal. And they, they have no love and they have no compassion and they have no concern. So obviously the, the, what's on the outside of the man is not what God's interested in. He's interested in what's on the inside of the man. But we do, we do conduct ourselves in a certain manner. But not because it's a rule that we have to obey, but rather because it's, it's the will of God. And God desires it in his heart for us. And we, we desire to please him. So we yield to the will of God in every aspect of our lives. Everything. In our entertainment, for instance. You know, I've said this before. Just because something is funny doesn't mean it's right. You know, the world is real good at, at, at using inappropriate things in a, in a momentary uh, fashion to, to create humor and make you chuckle and make you laugh. And, and that's what the world has done, by the way, with those things that God calls abomination, such as homosexuality. The world, has, the world has gotten us to look at homosexuals on TV and laugh at them for so long, we no longer see them as the abomination. We no longer see it as the abomination that God speaks of. And just because Christians, let me tell you something, just because something's cute and funny doesn't mean that it's the will of God or that it's pleasing to God. We need to remember that. I'm to yield, I am to yield to God's expectations, his will for me. So it's, it becomes not what I want or what I desire, but it's rather it's what God desires for me. My life is not my own. In Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20, let's turn there. Galatians 2.20. Now again, I'm not, re, I'm not putting things up on the board. And sometimes I think that's a great tool and, and certainly it's, it's useful to a pastor to use that because... Uh, you know, you, you got to get information out, and and but you know, Sunday school, we're in no rush to get anywhere. If we don't finish this outline this week, two weeks from now, I'll come back to it. But let's turn together to Galatians chapter two. Look at verse twenty. We read here, "I am what? What's that next word? I am crucified. I am crucified." Paul said. Now, what does that mean? I no longer live. You know, when someone's crucified, what happens? Hello? Yeah. So Paul is saying, what Paul is trying to emphasize is, I'm not alive anymore. I, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me. And gave himself for me. My life is no longer my own. It has been purchased by the blood of Christ. My life is now Christ's to command. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6 uh, verses 19 and 20. We read what? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you. Which ye have of God and ye are not your own. Verse 20 he says for ye are bought with a price. 
Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. So we have been we have been purchased. We've been purchased by the very blood of, of, of God himself. He created us and then he redeemed us. So it's not it's not your life to make decisions with. It's not my life to choose. My life belongs to Christ. It's hid in Christ and it is his to command. It is his to lead because of his God's ownership. We are to live our life in compliance to his will for us. And in so doing, glorify God by our actions. So again, compliance is not just just following a bunch of rules. It's yielding to the will of God. That's what it means when we talk about complying to God, living in compliance to God. It means that we literally, we just say, Lord, I'm yours. Do what you will with me. Unfortunately, many today are too concerned with complying with the world and with the world's children. In 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verses 23 and 24, Paul writes, You are bought with a price. Be not ye the servants of men. Brethren, let every man wherein he is called therein abide with God. Now, certainly we are to obey authority. So I'm not, I'm not standing here today trying to say you can ignore the law, you can ignore the police. We are to obey authority, but we are not, we are not what? We are not servants of men. We don't bow to a king. The only king we bow to is the king of kings upon his throne in heaven. We're, 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 we are bought with a price. We belong to God. He owns us. He's given us liberty from the law, from the law of uh, of, and he's given us liberty from from the bondage of sin, but but we are bound to him, and we are we are under his authority, and we are to submit to him. We are to yield to God. But too many today are are, are too concerned with how do they fit in with the world, how do they fit in with with the people around them. You know, since since I got saved, I've, I haven't been too concerned with how do I fit in with those around me. I really haven't been very concerned about that at all. I used to tell when I taught the teenagers, I used to tell them all the time. The only person I'm worried about pleasing is God. I'm not worried about pleasing anyone else, but I'll tell you this. If you please God, you will please those around you as well. So we have to understand this. Now, here in, in this passage of scripture I just read from 1 Corinthians, Paul says, let every man wherein he is called therein abide with God. Now this is a lesson, we see a lesson here in contentment. I believe that one of the answers on your study sheet, they're not going to pop up on the screen, so you're going to have to actually pay attention. Listen. We see a lesson in contentment. Paul said, let every man wherein he is called. Therein abide with God. So right where you are, right what you're doing, where, where God has called you, be content and abide in God. Yield to him. Live your life for God where you are. I'm so tired of people coming to me and say, well, you know, I think I could, I think I could do more for God if I lived over here. No, you, you, well, first of all, you won't. You, you're deceiving yourself. You're fooling yourself into believing that. People come to me and say, I, well, I'll have better health if I move over here. No, you won't. No, you won't. 
Uh, uh, you know, it's cheaper to live there. I'll have more money if I move there. No, you won't. Because the, 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 job, the, the wage base is lower there, first of all. And secondly, it's not because you don't make enough money. It's because you're foolish with the money you make. Because if, to deny that means that God is a liar. Because God gives us all we need, right? So if we, if we don't have enough, it's not God's fault. He's given us what we need. We're wasting it. So where we go is not going to change who we are. So let's, let's just learn to be content right where we are. This is where God has put you. This is where God has ordained you to be. Now, the spirit of the Antichrist and the flesh want to get you away from that. They want to get you away from the will of God. So they want you to move here, or go here, or go there. You'll be happier over here. The grass is always greener on the other side of the fence, but it has, fence, but it has to be fertilized and mowed. Right? You're going to be moving a lot if you move every time your lawn needs to be mowed. So we, we have to learn contentment. So many today fail to live the life they should live. The life that God wants them to live. Because they are not content in the place. Or they're not content in the circumstances that God has given them. We are to yield to the guidance of the Holy Spirit of God. For he will always lead us according to the Father's will for us. I have a little sailboat in my office. It was given to me a gift for my birthday by one of my, one of my close friends. And, and on the sail, there's some, an engraving. And it says, the will of God will never take you where the grace of God cannot keep you. And we need to learn that God is capable of caring and providing for us where we are. So long as we are doing what he wants us to do. And by the way, you need to learn to be content with what God has given you. Ground beef. You know, the stuff that's 25% fat and 90% bone and gristle. That, that may be what you eat for dinner, not T-bone steaks, you know. A dollar ninety-nine a pound ground beef instead of ten ninety-nine steaks. God didn't. God didn't promise us brand new automobiles. He didn't promise us mansions here on this earth. He didn't promise us any of that. He promised to provide what we need, and He knows what we need, and He He gives us what we need. He gives us that which is good for us. Do you believe that? How many of you believe that? How many of you right now? You would honestly raise your hand and say, I believe God gives me what I need. I believe he gives me what's best for me. And why in the world do we complain? Why are we not content? If we, if we honestly believe that, then what more do we need? We just need to fill our senses, right? But remember, the Bible says the eye is never satisfied. It's never filled. The eye, is never, the eye always wants more and more and more and more and more. And, you know, sometimes we think we're entitled to more. Yeah. We're to yield to the guidance of the Holy Spirit of God, for he will always lead us according to the Father's will for us. You know, I probably would not have chosen the path that I have had to walk over the past 32 years if I were given the choice. If God would have come to me 32 years ago and said, okay, here's, here's my will for you. I want you to go do all these things. This is what I want you to do, but I leave it up to you. You know, I probably, in my ignorance, would not have chosen to, to, to walk the path that God has put me on for the past 32 years. 
And there have been some difficult times, to say for sure, over the past 32 years and and the path and the road that I've walked. I I know others could say the same thing. Many of you could say the same thing. It's been a tough road, hasn't it? Especially those of you who are over 50. It's been a tough road. Hadn't been easy. And, And we look back and say, boy, I wouldn't want to do that again. However, when we do look back, we can see that it, it was all done for a purpose. We don't, un- we don't always understand what's happening. We don't understand why things are happening. But when, we get on, when God brings us to the other side and we turn around and we look back, we say, huh, well, look at there. Now I understand. Now I see why I went through all I went through. And I've learned to trust that God will always do that which he has For me, according to his will. Even when I don't believe or understand it. And I've learned to say, just as Paul said, and let's turn to Philippians chapter 4. You should be not too far there. You're in 1 Corinthians, I believe. Let's go over to Philippians chapter 4. We're talking about contentment right now. Learning to be happy and content, satisfied, and pleased with what God, where you are and what you're doing and what God has given you to do. Now, now, let me say, if you're not where you ought to be, and if you're doing the things you shouldn't be doing, then you ought not be content. You need to get out of there. You need to get away from there. You need to get on your knees and you need to pray to God. You need to have the Lord, let the Holy Spirit show you where God wants you to be and get there and do what he wants you to do. But look at Philippians chapter 4 and verse 11. Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. Now remember now, this is the Apostle Paul talking. Okay? This is the man who's been stoned. He's, he's been beaten. He's been shipwrecked. He's, he's been persecuted. He's been hated. He's been reviled. All right? He said, I learned whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. I know how to be abased. And I know how to abound. So Paul says, I, I, I'm consistent. I live my life I know that when things are going great, I, I live my life on an even keel. When things are bad, I don't, dro- I don't droop. I, I continue to live on that even keel. I know how to obey, be abased. I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things, I'm instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. Verse 13, I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. In other words, Paul says, I can endure all the things in God's will. I can, I can do everything in God's will for me. I can do all the things that God ordains me to do, that God purposes for me to do. I can do all the things that God wants me to do. He's not going to fail me. He's not going to desert me. He's not going to leave me stranded. I am going to be able to do everything that God has purposed that I in my life will do. I can do all these things through Christ. I can do none of them alone, but I can do them all through Christ. Often we fail to comply with God's will for us because we are not content. To live under the conditions of his will. God says, I, I need you to do this. And, and, and our flesh says, no, I'm not going to put myself through that. I'm not going to make all those sacrifices. I'm not, I'm not going to suffer all that persecution. I'm not going to do all those things. I don't want to do those things. I want to I go over here and do this. And because of a lack of contentment, we fail to live in, within the will of God. And then we try to justify that, and, and we, we look for excuses and reasons. 
But as my old grandpa used to tell me, an excuse is nothing but a lie wrapped, wrapped up with a reason. Don't make, don't make excuses. Just get it done. Huh? Daddy always told me, don't, sh- don't tell me what you're going to do. Show me what you've done. And that's, that's the problem with us so often is we, we're just not content. When things are, when things are gr- going well, we're all bubbly and happy. When things aren't going so well, we're all, no. You see people yesterday in the heat. Ah, 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 that was hot. Yeah, it is hot. And guess what? It's going to stay hot. So unless, you've, unless you're capable of changing the temperature, then just be content and just make the best of it. Just go on and live. Contentment, a lesson in contentment. But we also fail to comply with God's will because of a lack of courage and confidence. Not only do we fail to comply with God's will because we're not content, but also because we lack the courage and the confidence to do so. Again, in verse number 13 of Philippians chapter 4, Paul said, I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. Yes, I can comply with God's expectations for my life. Yes, I can live within the will of God. Yes, I can live a disciplined, a holy, a righteous life in this present time. Yes, I can do all these things, not in my own power. Not by my own hand, not through my own flesh, but in the strength of Christ Jesus, the Lord. By the indwelling Holy Spirit of God. I can do, I can do all things. I, I've heard some people teach, take this verse out of context and say, you can do whatever you want to do through Christ. That's not, that's not what that verse means. That verse isn't talking about you. It's talking about you can accomplish the will of God for your life. You can do all the things that God has ordained you to do. You can do all the things that God's wills you to do through Christ. Through the strength of Jesus. By the indwelling Holy Spirit of God. Now let me make some observations. You see, where the flesh is weak, the spirit is strong. And the scriptures tell us that the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak, right? And our flesh is weak. When we, when we encounter temptations in our life, when we face decisions in our life, our flesh is weak and our flesh always wants to take the easy path. Our flesh always wants to take the fun path. But the Spirit is strong. And it's the Spirit of God that, that is pulling at you. And it's the Spirit of God that is spurring you to go on and trust the Lord and have faith in Christ. The flesh is weak, but the Spirit is strong. But also... In this matter of lacking courage and confidence, let me say this. Where the heart fails, the spirit prevails. Where the heart fails, the spirit prevails. How many of you ever been heartbroken? I mean, parents raising children, I know you face heart, heartache. We, all, we do. We face heartache from our children. And those of you who have younger children, wait, just wait. You haven't seen nothing yet. You don't know what heartache is yet. You know what inconvenience is. You know what aggravation is. But you haven't, you haven't met heartache yet. And sometimes our heart becomes faint. 
Sometimes in our heart, we just want to quit. We just want to give up. We just want to throw in the towel and say, that's it. I just, I just can't do it anymore. And if, if you stay in the flesh, guess what? You're going to quit. You're going to stop. You're not going to do it anymore. But you see, the spirit prevails. The spirit of God is, 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 is the pep rally in your heart. Yes, we can. The Holy Spirit, Dalton, Dalton, he's our man. If he can't do it, John can. John, John, you're our man. If you can't do it, Leno can't. Can. <laughs> the Holy Spirit prevails. When, when, we feel, when we feel defeated, when we feel weak, when we feel despondent, and we're sitting there and we're having a pity party all by ourselves, the Holy Spirit lifts us up and says, yes, you can. We can through Christ, through his strength, through his power, we can do it. Where the heart fails, the spirit prevails. And then also, where the mind is foolish, the spirit is wisdom and truth. Listen, the human mind is capable of devising wicked imaginations continually. It never ceases to amaze me at what can come out of the mind of a man. The debauchery and, and, and the... The filth that can come forth from the mind of man. And, and you better remember this. Our minds are foolish. Every time we mess up and make big mistakes in life, guess where that came from? It didn't come from the Holy Spirit. It came from right up in here. And the mind is foolish, but the spirit is wisdom and truth. And when we, when we walk in the spirit, when we walk in the spirit and when we comply with, with God's will for our lives, we have the wisdom and the truth imparted to us by the Holy Spirit. And that's not to say we're never going to make mistakes because we're still going to make them. Despite the truth of all of this, if we fail to walk in the Spirit, we will fail to live in the Spirit. Therefore, to walk in the Spirit is to comply with God's will for our life, regardless of the where, how, or why. When I speak of walking in the spirit, I speak of awareness, I speak of agreement, I speak of compliance, and then letter D in your study sheets, I speak of submission. Turn with me to Galatians chapter 5, right where we started this morning, Galatians chapter 5. And we'll go back to verse number 16. This I say then, walk in the spirit... And ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. That's a real simple formula. Just learn to walk in the Spirit. Learn to live in the Holy Spirit as we're, as we're, as we're studying, as we're talking about. Live with an awareness. Live in agreement. Live in compliance. Live in submission. For the lust, flesh lusts against the Spirit and the Spirit against the flesh. It needs a contrary, the one to the other, so that you cannot do the things that you would. But if ye be led of the Spirit, ye are not under the law. Now submission and compliance are very closely related. In fact, if you don't look real carefully, you'd think that one is just a synonym of the other. However, there is a very distinct difference between the two. Compliance is yielding to another's will, while submission is yielding to another's power and authority. You know, it's possible to comply without submitting. Did you know that? I'll give you an example. 
a person may come to church. That's complying with the will of God. But they fail to conquer sin in their life. That's a lack of submission. So you can comply. You can, you can, you can comply without submitting. So don't pat yourselves on the back and say, yeah, I'm in compliance. Hey, what about submission? Are you in submission? Compliance alone does not completely satisfy the concept of walking in the spirit. Did you hear what I said? Compliance alone does not completely satisfy the concept of walking in the spirit. It also requires submission. Submission to the power and the authority of Christ over the life of the individual. We're talking here about the letter of the law and the intent of the law. The letter of the law is that, what, what is the speed limit out there now? I don't know, they keep changing. It was 35 when I moved here. My wife's always complaining, why are you going so slow? I tell her, you know, I drove for 20 years at one speed, and now all of a sudden you want me to change. I think it's 40, I think it's 40 along here. Is it 45 along here? Okay, so it's 45. Now, the letter of the law is 45. But what's the intent of the law? Safety. That's the intent of the law. So, I, I would rather comply with the intent of the law than, than the letter of the law. So, so, driving 35 is good. I'm complying with the intent of the law. I'm submitting. She's just complying. There's a, major, there's a major reason so many believers can walk out of church. Listen to me carefully. If you, if, you, if you spent the time to be here this morning, then listen to what I'm about to say. There's a major reason so many believers can walk out of church and fail to submit to the Holy Spirit in their daily life. Just coming to church, which is compliance with God's will, will not be sufficient to cause one to conquer the flesh and sin. This will take submission to the power and authority of God. And that's where many people fail. They, they think that just by complying, that they succeeded. But James tells us, in James chapter 1, matter of fact, let's turn there. It's the last scripture you're going to have to turn to this morning. we got time, I think. I know, I'm blind, I can't see. James chapter 1, beginning at verse 22. But be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. For if any be a hearer of the word, and not a doer... He is like a man, he is like unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass. For he beholdeth himself and goeth his way, and straight forth, straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. So we're, we're not just to, we're not just to hear the teaching of the Holy, the Holy Spirit. We're not just to hear the Word of God, but we're to do the Word of God. That's the submission. Not just complying, not, yield, not just yielding to God's will, but also Yielding to his power and authority over that will. So if we are to walk in the spirit, we will need to be aware of his presence. We will need to live in agreement with his guidance and leadership. We will need to live in compliance with his expectations for us. And we will need to submit to his authority and control over us. Now in two weeks when we meet again, we're going to continue to talk about um, the, the, the disciplines that we need in our life if we are to be effective witnesses for Christ, if we're to be effective servants of the Lord. So thanks for being here this morning, and you are dismissed. Thank you for listening to this presentation of the Berean Baptist Church of Ronan Park, California. If you would like further information about our church, 
please feel free to call us at area code 707-584-7275 or write to us at Berean Baptist Church, 6298 Country Club Drive, Ronert Park, California, 94928. Additionally, you may visit us on the World Wide Web at www.bebaptist.org.